should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. I'm getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book. You can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Oh, and welcome to the Dr. Grandmother's Book Club Podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because spinning wheel got to go round. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Benedict the Ringo of this podcast. Benedict! On a British you mean the one that goes on to have a long and successful career as a voiceover artist for <laughs> Thomas the Tank Engine? Is that what you mean? I was just trying to be on a British music... Actually, I don't think Blood, Sweat, and Tears is a British band. I don't oh, know I why. I you talking about the Beatles. Not, well, the Beatles are, but I, for yeah. some reason, when I wrote my two intro jokes this week, <laughs> uh, stuck on blood, sweat, and tears and thought they were British, but yeah, I don't I, think they are now that I, I reflect on it for really a moment. I really know who that is, to be honest. That's fine. That's who did the song Spin and Wheel. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Go down gambling. Yep, yeah, sure. When I die. Nope. Or when I lay dying. It's, I don't remember this is all lost on me. It's lost on everyone. It's fine. Carry when on. When I die yeah. and I'm gone. Stop. You're going to get sued. Come on. Okay, fine. Anyways, Benedict, what's your favorite specialty sandwich? Oh, uh, okay. I'm glad so you asked. So not a basic. Not a no, basic. No, 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 no. Something, so, something special. So in uh, in New York, mm-hmm. there is a place that I literally uh, had a sandwich. You ask these questions to sandwich. get me to sound. <laughs> no, no, no. I, like, I, you ask these okay, questions in a way that makes yeah. me sound the bougiest possible. <laughs> because a but, normal person would say a Philly cheese steak. Okay, I do like Given that. Given that your true. wife is from Philadelphia. You know what? That, fine. <laughs> I won't be, tell my bougie story. You've ruined it for <laughs> I know. Tell it. I want to hear. <laughs> so, okay. There was a sandwich that I had in Florence like mm. six years ago that <laughs> I couldn't th- stop. Th- like, it's a sound- I, I, like, To be fair, you are from Europe. So, yeah, that's true. You know, the fact is, that you were in Florence uh, is not no, no, what this it would was, be I. It was a trip from the U.S. to Florence. Oh, so, okay. Anyway, oh, I remember that trip. Yeah, there's a place. There's a place called Atlantico Vinayo, anyway, and mm-hmm. uh, which means the old winery, whatever. And they do these, uh, like it's called uh, schiacciata, I think, which is a type of focaccia. Or it's similar to focaccia. It's not a type mm-hmm. of focaccia. Don't yell at me. Um, <laughs> and they do these. So there's one there called the Boss, which is. Uh, Parmesan. Il, il Duce? It's called no, Il Duce. No, no, it's literally called Il Boss. Because um, probably because they can't call it Il Duce. In, I was about to say. Um, and so, it, well, actually, the one I had is called Il Diavolo, which means the devil, which could also be Il Duce. Um, and it's it's porchetta and uh, you know, like Anduja sausage. Mm-hmm. That it's that spread and then like roasted veggies and uh, arugula in a focaccia sandwich and it's the best sandwich. <laughs> so wrapped I've ever up had in, in olive oil. Life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wrapped up in an olive oil layer. It's amazing. And then they opened two in New York and they just opened one in LA. So or they're about. To I'm not going to say LA. that doesn't sound delicious. Yeah, that exactly. Does sound pretty damn good. Exactly. And then the boss Il Duce is uh, is. <laughs> Uh, it's, the like, they, it's the name they use in the south in the u.s <laughs> freshly sliced prosciutto but like good prosciutto mm-hmm. parmesan and uh truffle okay, most, pre- most pretentious thing you just said the the good prosciutto yeah yeah no like, well okay the other thing is okay right, so no, no, hamoni no, barico no, 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 but no, you know no, the good hamoni barico well hamoni barico is better than prosciutto first of all <laughs> 
<laughs> but there's a there's a there's a hierarchy of these things. It goes Hamon Iberico, Prosciutto, Hamon Serrano. That's mm-hmm. just how it is. I will not be taking comments or questions <laughs> at this time. But okay, what was I? Gonna, oh yeah, because Europe has like a um, it's called like a, a domain of origin thing where mm-hmm. like something has to be from. It's like why champagne has to be from Champagne for you to be able to call it Champagne. Mm-hmm. Cheddar technically has to be from Cheddar Gorge for you to be able to call. And then America's like fuck that. We made no, it in Jersey. It can be it's from called Tillamook. Yeah. It can be from fucking Tillamook. <laughs> so America rides roughshod over that. But like when I say the good stuff, I mean like Italian produced prosciutto, not like mm-hmm. some ham from Jersey. i don't know i've had pretty good some ham from jersey before (laughs) what about you what's your uh, uh, that or a philly cheesesteak well i'll be it i am a man of the people so i am gonna go with a philly cheesesteak i love a philly (laughs) cheesesteak no 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 i i'm actually i'm actually gonna go with i love a philly cheesesteak everyone before you before you do what's your cheese of choice on a philly cheesesteak See, I'm not picky like that. I, okay. I like it with the American or with... Is it provolone, the other one? I forget what it is. Well, properly. The, the spray cheese. Cheese whiz, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I don't know if I've ever had the cheese whiz version. Uh, I mean, American cheese is basically cheese. Melted American cheese is basically sure. cheese whiz. <laughs> sure. Um, but uh, really, uh, I'm going to go with the banh mi. Mm. Uh, I'm going to go with the... Definitely just there's something about that uh it's it's the little tangy sauce on the banh mi it's just so good have you um, ever um tried to make daikon uh daikon radish yeah like the pickled daikon that goes on a banh oh mi. not pickled daikon i cook with yeah. daikon every now and then because I, I use it in a lot of soups and things yeah i can't um, i can't be doing daikon it made my whole apartment smell like <laughs> it, like i i love it when someone else prepares it but it's just not one of those things that uh better gonna start making his own kimchi in his apartment and get kicked yeah. out of the building <laughs> Oh, I, yeah, okay. Save it, I'll save it for the patron apps, but because uh, right. uh, we're talking a lot of nonsense now. But I did but have it's the gonna smelliest share his kimchi. special kimchi recipe. No, I had the smelliest kimchi I've ever bought recently. <laughs> it was amazing. Anyway, carry on. Anyways, Benedict, uh, you probably know uh, what it is that we do here on mm-hmm. this program. Uh, some do. folks, uh, folks who only like uh, the, the hero sandwich. Uh, which is a style, not an actual sandwich. Uh, so I'm blanking here. What's it's a the, basic the, sandwich? The hero, a, the hero a club journey. sandwich. Oh, yeah. A club, club sandwich. sandwich. Yeah, Folks yeah. who only like club sandwiches. Um, they might not know exactly what it do, we do here on the show. So I would say to them, this is the show where we go deep, 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 deep to plumb the depths of white wing thought by reviewing a chapter from work of conservative nonfiction and in between taking a look at other examples of the right, doing their best to make America hate again. Start us off, Benedict. Do you have a hot take for us this week? Yeah, and I it, I do. And it's the, I didn't think, I'm just trying to think how to phrase this. You're not like a big sports guy, right? You're not like. No, not anymore. From, I, apart from I Cal. was when I was younger and not much anymore. Hockey's really the only sport I pay attention to anymore. Yeah, I thought I had lost the ability for sports to make me feel sad. And I haven't. <laughs> I haven't because my I know like I I please stave off. Is this going to be an Australian Open real. story? No, no. Although I do hate Djokovic too, um, but the no, just like my soccer team isn't doing very well this season after mm-hmm. having challenged for four trophies last season. We're now just garbage, mm-hmm. and like I thought I was okay with it, and then we lost again this morning, and I'm just I like it just it just sucks it out of me, you know. Like it's I I don't know I I, I thought. 
that that was a thing of my youthful days. But uh, buddy, as a, as a fan of the San Jose Sharks, let oh me man, that's so bad. Um, repeating losing seasons will will really <laughs> uh, after having a great team for about a decade uh, and and then just sucking for a while. Yeah, um, you really get used to it after a while. Yeah, I guess we'll get there. Yeah. that's fine what about you what's your hot take uh my hot take benedict i just realized the other day that we are content creators Ew. like right can, can we stop is that not strange is yeah. that not strange to think about i had not We're thought adding about that. to the the giant and, and, growing and we've been ball podcasting of for like six years now yeah and i just realized we are quote unquote content creators because i was mm. sitting there Every now and then, uh, you know, I like to, to make sure I'm up to date on the latest stuff. So I was watching some YouTube videos on, like, some Adobe Audition. That's what I use to put the show together. Um, like, workflow tips type stuff. Uh, you know, make things a little faster for me on the back end. Um, and and the, the person doing the video all of a sudden said something to the effect of, like, well, you know, this is really useful for all the content creators out there. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is useful. Oh, shit. I'm a content creator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, I think probably you are. I'm. I don't know what I am. <laughs> I'm just I mean, here. Oh, you're trying to get yourself outside <laughs> of the definition now. Don't you well, dare try and escape it. Here's what Look I into the light, Ben. Look here's into the light. Here's what I would say. Without you, there would be no content because no one would know how to edit the damn thing. So <laughs> to I be would fair, say that you're you're you're, think, you're the midwife of our content. At least you're a content I think midwife. You have ep- edited an episode once. Um, I used to edit the history show that we used to do occasionally. Right, right. Yeah. But uh, I, I think. Well, with our old podcast, I would occasionally be too busy, and you would edit. And by edit, I mean you would slap the two audio files together, no, forget to put on stuff. our intro or no, outro No, I always tracks. put on the intro and outro, because <laughs> that's the only thing I knew how to do. So I was very certain to always put on the intro and outro. I even yeah, did a it's fade in. I learned how to do a fade <laughs> in just for, just for that show. Thank you very much. Anyway. Anyways, uh, we are content creators, and we demand to be treated as such. Um, <laughs> Do we? <laughs> uh, I guess that would mean being taken advantage of by a, a large corporate conglomerate that uses our labor and uh, free I guess content I, that, you know to what? make yeah, money for themselves, treat, like Spotify, who runs ads fun. on our episodes that we don't get a cut of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like that. That's what Do we they? Want to be Fuckers. Like. Yeah, well, for people who don't pay for Spotify Premium. Uh, uh, okay. Anyways, Benedict, what's on your bookshelf this week? Uh, on my book for this week is uh, off the back of the uh, the hot take that I had. There's a book called Fever Pitch by Nick Hornby, mm. uh, which is quite an old book. It's like the 90s, I think. Um, but it's like the, it's a good insight into the mind of a soccer fan and like mm-hmm. how it just takes over your life from like August to May every year. And you start thinking of years in terms of soccer seasons instead <laughs> of like years. And so the opening paragraph is like, I don't remember 90, 1993 or 1991. I remember the 1990 slash 1991 season. <laughs> so that's it's like how's your, how it warps your sense of time and everything that happens around it and you know what it means to be a soccer fan. I don't so, know why but all the soccer talk jogged my memory of uh, a youtube video i watched recently by a channel called people make games Mm. um about uh uh, the game football manager oh um, great game and and how it apparently uh helped one goalie 
uh, score a goal uh, in his first match for Ghana when he played for them. Because, like, somebody found out, somebody who was obsessed with football manager found out that he had Guyanese heritage and contacted the head of the Guyanese national team and was like, hey, this guy's good, and he plays for this like fourth tier team in the UK and you could get him on the team and they got That's him. Right. And then he ran out there and scored a goal on a penalty Aww. kick at the end of a match. And yeah, That's it was, cool. yeah, it was interesting. It was That's funny. Fun. Um, also the last of, I started watching the last of us. I know we talked about it last week. No spoilers. It's, it's really good. It's yeah. I've heard great things again. Yeah. I'm just waiting for all the episodes to be out. Uh, so I can binge them all at once because that's that's. Ah, uh, it's gonna be a lot to binge. Like I'm too, oh, I'm yeah. too in. It's gonna be fucking heavy. And I then there's you. gonna be a second season, which will probably yeah. be the second video game, and yeah. I'm super excited for that because that one is even more emotional and deep and dense and fantastic, and I'm super excited. Anyway, what's on your bookshelf? Uh, my bookshelf this week, Benedict. Uh, I'm doing another video game this week. Okay. Um, I found a series of games recently by this one studio, this one developer. Um, and they are less games than they are stories you interact with, uh, which I okay. found really amazing. Uh, the one I'm recommending is called Her Story. It's sort of a crime drama thing, and it's all using live action footage of actual actors um, in a in a you know. Basically, your interaction is by searching through a database. Um, what's not really a database, you know, it's the game, but searching through this using key terms you get from clips you watch of this woman who is, uh, uh, being interviewed by the police. You don't hear anything the police say, but you see what, you hear what, uh, she's saying, um, and you get to piece together the story yourself, and the, what I find incredibly satisfying about it is there is no clear answer to the question. And I don't want to spoil anything for anybody by giving away any of the story. I won't. Uh, but the game's made by Sam Barlow. He had a game that came out last year and won big at the Game Awards in December. Uh, that okay. one is also really great as well. Uh, he also did one called Telling Lies, which wasn't quite as well uh, received. Uh, but the actress in her story, uh, I don't remember what her Viva Seifert, I think is her name, who is also a musician for something. I don't remember what. I looked into it when I was doing the game because I got so into it and I loved it so much. Uh, but check it out. It's on Steam. It's cheap. It's usually on sale. It's a lot of fun for a couple of hours to go through and watch all these clips and figure out the story. Uh, and, and basically the game part of it is trying to unlock all of the clips by figuring out what you need to search for from all the clues that are hidden in there. It's fun. It's a good time. Check it out. Good way to waste away a couple of hours. On to housekeeping this week. Benedict, remember to rate and review us on the iTunes. Uh, follow us on the social medias at NYGBCPod on Twitter and at NYGBCBen. Uh, updates our January patron-only bonus episode, part three of our watch through a Police State 2000, the Alex Jones 1999, I think is when it came out. I don't remember off the top of my head. Documentary, heavy air quotes, mm-hmm. um, about traffic stops and badly run military drills uh so far is available uh very good one i thought it was a whole lot of fun um on the heels of that i will say since i won't get the chance to say it to our patrons directly but they listen here um there's a reason and i told benedict after we finished recording the patron only why i think it's important to watch every minute of the movie rather than just cutting out the good bits and and skipping through the boring stuff and it's because what Alex does whenever he's criticized, whenever there are clips of him put up somewhere, whenever uh, you at his trials, when they were playing the words he had said, is say that he's being taken out of context, 
demand that people play the full clip, the full episode, whatever. And even though that would never clear Alex, even though there's nothing in there that would provide a good context, it's always his argument that he's being taken out of context. Mm-hmm. And that is why I believe it is important to watch every minute uh, of the movie if we're going to do it in that way. And I know we've had some people respond. Two people so far have said to skip the boring parts. So, you know, um, Vox Populi Vox Day, as a man once said. Uh, <laughs> but we'll see how it goes. But I am laying out my case for why I think it's important to watch every minute of that movie. Okay. I disagree, but that's fine. <laughs> Uh, the final update today uh, is that uh, it crossed our paths recently um, to consider doing a nonfiction book. And I think that's been batting around for a while. But recently, um, I brought up the Brad Thor books. Uh, and someone on Twitter uh, uh, did, uh, did seem slightly excited about the prospect of us maybe doing one of those. Uh, so, Benedict, I mentioned to you when I brought that up, sort of a, a summary of what that book is at. And I found a summary of that book, and I want to read it for you. Uh, It is called Brad Thor, A Thriller, Code of Conduct. Um, And it is described as, quote, Thor's outstanding 14th Scott Horvat thriller, and Scott is spelled with one T, by the way. So that'll just destroy you the whole way through the book. (laughs) Follows the former Navy SEAL turned counterterrorism operative as he works to stop the mastermind behind a deadly virus designed to drastically reduce the Earth's population. This one dropped around the same time as when the Ebola virus was making all over the news, making it all the more terrifying. Fast-paced with tons of action and nail-biting suspense, Code of Conduct remains one of Brad Thor's best books to date. Wow. I think... I think it's a prospect. I think it's a prospect for the next book we do. Um, It would be nice for us to have a break from the shitty nonfiction we're always doing. Yeah, let's see how we go. Let's see how we go. I think it'd be entertaining. Uh, You know, sound off in the comments, smash that like and subscribe button, uh, all that stuff. Let us know how you feel about that if you're interested. Anyways, Benedict, we have some inductees into the Spooky World New World Order this week. Starting off with Becky Scott Fairley, uh, who confirmed for us that, in fact, Tim Pool was the no-go zones guy. Yep, told you. When they tweeted that at us, I got flashbacks to, like, we had that conversation before, and I think we might have. But Becky's got fairly. No, no, we were talking about it on an episode. We were talking about it. On a- I know, but we. I think we had had it on a previous episode before that one where we were oh, talking really? about it. I think it had come up before for some reason. Oh, by the way, why. I was just looking at our Apple reviews, our iTunes reviews. Someone's clearly given us one star because they're mad at us for criticizing Louis Farrakhan. <laughs> one of the most recent reviews so if people could go on and like try and rectify that that would be cool yeah yeah uh please balance out the fair calling us calling us biased white men which is true but not for those reasons sure sure um i don't think we need an entire episode about farrakhan's anti-semitism i don't think i assume it's that it's the the review is entitled pale biases and it says it doesn't matter if you agree with the minister or not he's still a minister to deny that is is his disrespectful and i'm up with white disrespect which like oh. fair enough like but i presume that's about farrakhan oh i disrespect all ministers regardless <laughs> of race or color yeah me too yeah yeah <laughs> we're yeah. atheists here we don't give yeah, a yeah. fuck if you have a title you think you got you deserve from some fake bullshit you learned yeah i anyway. don't care uh anyways becky scott fairly <laughs> you are now part of our blue world spooky world order yeah. and we have another one this week zach turchansky 
who put us in the same breath as podcasts, much more successful and better than us. Thank you so very much. You're now a part of our New World Spooky World Order. And of course, if you would like to uh, join the Spooky World New World Order, bleh, you can tweet or post about the show on social media, recommend it to others, and send me a screenshot or tag us in it. Leave us a five-star review wherever you can. Drop me a screenshot and let me know. Make a donation to a worthwhile charity. Become a patron or just get my attention with something good. Bad with all that out of the way this week, why don't we get to our Alex Jones clip of the week? Okay. So. Um, and it's a tie-in, and you'll know pretty much right away where the tie-in <laughs> is, Benedict. Okay, let's do it. This isn't who's right or even who's wrong when you geopolitically look at it. It's, mm. okay, where was Russia founded? In <laughs> Crimea. Pacific- ah, Benedict, was Russia founded in Crimea? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Or is there a reason why the first government that we know as the Russia government, the, the, the <laughs> Russian state, uh, w- was called, uh, oh God, Kiev. Kievan Rus, yeah. Kievan Rus, yeah. right, right, because it was in Kiev, because that's why. And yeah. then when that state failed... Uh, which, which to Moscow. be fair, is still Ukraine, but it's not Crimea. Right, not Crimea. Specifically, is the birthplace of Russia... And then out of Crimea, you get Moscow and all that set up. They fought major war. Out of, out Crimea, of Crimea, you get you Moscow get and all that set up. <laughs> Love that. No, Alex. No. Wars for 800 years over this land. Okay, so that's understood. And so then they see NATO and the West coming in with their leftist ideology, their anti-family ideology, their George Soros garbage, and trying to grab Crimea that has all the different oil fields and gas fields and gas lines that go into the Black Sea and into Europe. And they say, you're not going to take that. So that's their only port in the Black Sea. The Russians take Crimea. Uh, So so the Russians said, you're not going to take that thing that we took. Yeah. You know. From 2014. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to take that thing that we took. Interesting. You know, all that stuff that's been important to us that we took. Um, I should mention, this is from about two weeks before the Russian invasion started, gotcha. um, is when this clip of Alex is from. They annex it, and they annex areas of eastern Ukraine, which is almost 100% Russian. Nope. For eight years, the West pours tens of billions of dollars of weapons in, and over time, the weapons get heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. I want to show you. And you can't even pick them up anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's so sounds, heavy. It's, it's, it's very Trumpian. They're, they're so heavy, folks. They, you can't even... You look at these weapons there. How does one man lift that rocket? You can't do it. You can't... Well, there is a similarity of people who don't know what the fuck they're talking yeah, about so using heavy. just adjectives just, with no real meaning yeah. to try and describe things. That's it. Show you a photo on screen. Uh, this is uh, put out by the Ukrainian news. They're very, very And this is my thumb next to it for scale. Yeah, my favorite... 72nd Mechanized Infantry Brigade, with which I spent so much time on the front line, have just accepted the FGM-148 Javelins. They already got new in-laws from Britain. Ukraine keeps pumping up its very best. And the angriest combat formations. What? So. Is <laughs> reading a bad translation of that, presumably? That's what it seems like. Yeah. All at this time, Benedict. Uh, Russia was amassing tens of thousands of soldiers on the Ukrainian border to prefer- prepare for the invasion that would commence in two weeks yeah. after Alex's broadcast Massive here. I'll tell you bombardment. Yeah. yeah. Not Tank great. weapons, anti-personnel weapons, high-tech missiles, where literally it's like a video game, shooting people miles away, and artillery, guided artillery, 
all sorts of other guided missiles and anti-aircraft missiles that can shoot down planes at 35,000 feet in the air. By the thousands, C-130s landing. So they gave them $5 billion of weapons in the first seven years. In the last six months, they admit, the State Department alone, that the U.S. has given them $5 billion in anti-tank and anti-aircraft missiles. And the Russians are freaking out as they start to lose the proxy war in eastern Ukraine. Does Alex even hear the words he is saying? Well, it's also not a pro- who's it a proxy war between? I mean, it, like well, Russia at this and time it was uh, you know uh, anti-Ukrainian Russian separatist forces, um, which in large part were made up of Russian troops who were just yeah, there exactly. pretending not to be Russian. So it's not um, a proxy war; it's just a war. it's just a war. It was just yeah. a war. Yeah. And so the Russians start getting more and more losses. It's not just fourteen thousand dead on both sides. It's it's in the Tens of thousands higher the numbers are, are, are we're getting from a wide spectrum of sources. And so the Russians are starting to lose in the proxy war just to control their gas pipelines. So they go, all right, start massing troops and tell NATO, do not take it. Do not do Article 5. Do not do declare not it's a NATO country. What? Stop it. You're moving weapons in. You're massing troops. You're massing troops is. in Poland. Nope. You're massing troops in other areas. Stop. Stop. We don't want a war. Stop. 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 That's we don't a want fact. a war. We're going to so invade. how do they convince the average American that Russia is about to attack. When the West is pumping the weapons in, the West is starting the fight, the West is running this whole operation. And of course the Ukrainians have some real beefs. I mean, this has been going on forever. It's like your big brother, Russia comes in and you know, beats you up on a routine basis. But it's not the Huns and it's not George Soros that's gonna cut your son's balls off, okay? So what? you can have the- Oh, I- oh so Russia's better than Soros. Better to be beaten up by Russia every 10 years versus having your son's balls cut off by George Soros. Is that what he said? (laughs) I, you know what? I don't, I don't know what's happened to Alex. It's anti-trans bigotry. We know, we know what that statement was. It's, it's base Alex bullshit. Now the Russians in there, you can have George Soros literally, literally going after your children. So that's where we are right now. And here's the final equation. It's very simple. If you're already escalating a war, you're already in a proxy war that's going into a, quote, hybrid war, that's what it is, that then goes into a full-scale regional theater war that's destined to become an entire continental war and then a world war. That's how it works. So how do you position Americans when you're escalating your attack, when you're punching the Russians harder and harder every day, sitting in super high-tech A-class weapons, what do you do? They're all defensive weapons, though. I mean, you you say, oh my God, the Russians are Nobody's going to invade Russia. At that, well, yeah, if right, <laughs> go back to when Alex was talking about the anti-missile, anti-plane uh, uh, missiles and anti-tank yeah. weapons. What are you going to use those anti-plane hey, uh, missiles for? <laughs> they're only going to be used on tanks that are sent into Ukraine. Yeah, what, yeah. Are, those, what are those anti-tank that missiles happened. for, motherfucker? So I play that mainly because, Benedict, you know, uh, Alex makes claims in today's chapter Bizarre. about... Like the most unhinged Alex... The well, reasons I, why the Russo-Ukrainian war happened. And they are very different than the ones he was making in that video there. Yeah. Um, and like you just said... Very fucking unhinged. It's so unhinged. Like, <laughs> hilariously unhinged. Uh, if it wasn't also very sad. So, Benedict, with all that out of the way, why don't we start this week's chapter uh, of The Great Reset by Alex Jones. What did we read this week? Well, we read chapter six, which is quite a short chapter, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've, you've kind of spoiled my reveal, but in ah. which Alex has the most unhinged Russo-Ukrainian war take that I think I've seen written down on paper. So Yeah. 
It's not great. It's no. not great. No. Uh, and it is titled, because Benedict forgot to read it, which is usually his job, you Sorry. probably won't face a firing squad in the Great Reset, but you may be put in a digital gulag. That's true, it is. And do you have an alternate chapter title I do. For us? It's, I've read Solzhenitsyn. I know what a gulag <laughs> is. <laughs> Uh, I have one. Um, it is, you probably won't be killed by an Antifa super soldier in the Great Reset, <laughs> God, but you may have to pay $8. <laughs> I forgot about the Antifa super yep. soldier. Yep. Uh, so this chapter, like Benedict said, um, Jesus, it really doesn't have much to do with that title. Uh, but well, I think he bit, tries. Not really, yeah. Um, and it starts with, quote, We spent a lot of time reviewing the writings of Klaus Schwab and other globalists. We haven't really. Like we've I mean, we have. You and yeah, I, I mean, have. have. Yeah, yeah. Alex and his ghostwriter have not. Continuing. Yeah. But what is the evidence these plans are being put into motion? And that's where I got excited for no reason. Yeah, there isn't any, and nor does he present any. Yeah, because I thought, oh man, he's really he's gonna try and lay it out here, and I got yes, we're gonna get something, and then it's just a sloppy wet fart. Yeah. Uh, but it continues. I think it's important to realize we're unlikely to find an email from Klaus Schwab directing some world leader, like, say, Justin Trudeau of Canada, on how to deal <laughs> like with the situation. Like, just off the top of my head, you know, Justin Trudeau yeah, of uh, yeah. Canada. Oh. And that line is also funny to me because Alex has, through the entirety of his Sandy Hook conspiracy theory, uh, made a big deal about a email he claimed existed from Mike Bloomberg to gun groups that he ran or whatever, uh, immediately before Sandy Hook, telling them, get ready for tomorrow or get ready in the next few days, something like that, uh, because something's going to happen and we, you know, something along those lines. Correct. That email never existed. He had every chance to produce it during his lawsuits and show that he had some basic for what he was, basis for what he was claiming. Um, it wasn't real. Didn't Ooh. exist. Um, but uh, yeah, so I wouldn't expect any emails from any of these world leaders. Anyways, he continues. However, when we understand the philosophy of the globalists, the question is, can we find examples that appear consistent enough with their views that we can assume their involvement at some level? And that's giving away the game right there. Is that all of this is Alex assuming the involvement of his boogeymen because something sounds similar enough to what he thinks the globalist plans are. And yeah. that's, boy, is that a letdown. <laughs> On the first page, first page of the chapter, he took me to breathtaking highs and earth-shattering lows. Right from the top to the bottom, that's where I went <laughs> to my excitement level. Uh, but he continues, quote, I believe we can find multiple examples of such efforts, beginning first with the trucker convoy that surrounded the Canadian Parliament in January and February of 2022 in protest of COVID restrictions. And then he gives us a, a, a Forbes Literally, a Forbes, or a Fortune, actually, excerpt just describing the protests. I don't know why he did that. It wasn't necessary. And then he compliments the Fortune article and yeah, says it did a good job a, of summarizing. A very, like, when did this book come out? Like, it, not that long after this, right? Last I mean, year, was, 2022. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah it, was, it was late it, like, 2022, it's really, I think. like, using that as a hook for a whole chapter, despite it, you know, not being fully... Anyway, yeah, uh, but so he has an insulting line in here where he says, quote, most protest movements start with a single issue, such as in the United States with the death of George Floyd in police custody, and then develop into discussion of some larger issues, such as police practices across the country and their effect on communities of color. 
Uh, Alex, of course, has spent much of his airtime over the last several years demonizing George Floyd, claiming he died because of fentanyl, mm. not because of what the police did, blah, 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 but isn't all that, that bullshit. Do, 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 I, I do, I underline that, partly for the same reason as you, but partly because I think it's interesting the language he chooses to use mm-hmm. when it's written down. That he because, recognizes that that is how things happen, that that is the process, Well, generally. that, but also just saying, like, communities of color, which is... Oh yeah, the More fact that he would use social justice language than yeah. than you would expect Alex Jones to be using, which mm-hmm. I don't really like there is a trend I think of using of of oppressors of some form of another using language that's versed in social justice yeah. to disguise other forms of oppression. Yes. Um so but I don't think this is quite that. Um, well, I will say that I guarantee you that that line was 100% written by the ghostwriter with zero oh, Alex. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I've listened to hundreds of hours of Alex Jones. He's never um, said the words he's never said of the color words in his life. Not once. Not yeah. once. It is the blacks to Alex. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, something along those lines. Yeah. Black communities might be the closest he would get to communities of color. I, he said African-American before, surely. He I'm said, sure yeah, he oh, yeah. It. He'll use African-American. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but... Uh, just, Sounds bad coming out of his mouth. Really yeah. does. Most things sound bad coming out of his mouth. Yeah, fair, that's just that's Alex. Uh, anyway, I think it's interesting that that makes it into the book. I, and I don't really know why, but it, I, it does strike me as interesting. I, I, I have to ruminate on it further, but I, I think maybe because it's like a... It's much more of the public record than his shows are, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, that's maybe why it's there. But No, I, I, think, I think that's definitely true. Yeah. That, that he knew that this book... Um, when you put down a written record of things, um, you know, when you're you're doing his common refrain with his radio show is it's a live show. I misspeak sometimes. There's stuff happening all the time. People are talking in my ear. I say things wrong. When you put it down in a, a book, you don't have any of those excuses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that might be part of it. But uh, he says, quote, did Trudeau deal with the protesters in a way consistent with a globalist approach? You decide. No, <laughs> no. No, um, we've decided. Okay, we can yeah, move that's on. That's it. Then. We don't need it. We don't need your uh, point. That's but fine. but this is Alex's proof that the globalists are putting their plans into action. And the first piece he starts with here is that GoFundMe suspended the accounts of the Canadian protesters. Okay. Yeah. Glo- globalism. Globalism. Um, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's got nothing to do with globalism. This is very, uh, in fact, nationalist. If, if yeah. You could argue it's authoritarian. I wouldn't say it's globalist specifically. I mean... Mm, you could. Uh, and then he... this. Well, I shouldn't say Alex says, but he is quoting from some article. Uh, I looked it up, and uh, actually, I think I have it on a tab here somewhere because I'm going to quote from it in a minute. But um, Alex, uh, the, he, this thing he talks about, it then goes on to say that they tried to move on to cryptocurrency. Uh, to get donations from people, um, and that the Canadian government uh, uh, shut down their crypto donations. So, cool. Yeah, um, and I, I mean, whether it's true or not, the reason stated and the reason given for the GoFundMe being shut down was because there was violence, and GoFundMe was like, we don't want to be involved with giving money to uh, people that are seen as using violence so I think for legal liability reasons, shut down the fund, right? I think that's the... Right. 
And then you do have the crypto site, which the Canadian federal police uh, froze uh, transactions with uh, these these protesters. Um, and then later, a judge uh, froze uh, that 156 additional wallets uh, that was done through a judge. Alex says that's done without due process. Um, two problems there. One, he's forgetting that this is Canada, not the United States. Uh, due process is a, literally a term from the United States Constitution. Also, I it went through a judge. I, I don't know Canadian law. I don't know how all these things work, and I don't think Alex does either. So I'm going to hold off on on uh, wondering whether Alex did the appropriate level of due diligence to make these claims he's talking about. But he also says that it's restricting the financial transactions of, quote, law-abiding Canadians. Not true. Now, we can go back and forth on whether or not uh, the law, being law-abiding, uh, is necessary to be able to have financial transactions, mm. whether or not uh, this sort of action is appropriate because you're breaking the law and basically all the horrible things that were happening to the people who lived um, around Canadian Parliament and all that when that was going on. Um, most Canadians obviously hated this. This was just a bunch of douchebags doing some douchebag shit. Um, but Alex, I, I don't think he's really worried about that part of the conversation. Um, he thinks all these people are good and there's no justification whatsoever for anyone to do anything to them whatsoever, no matter what they do. Mm. Because of course, remember, Alex thinks that January 6th was perfectly justified and prosecuting any of those people for anything they did is tyranny of the highest order. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think we should maybe just go, just talk about what the truckers were. They, they didn't really have any demands. It was just uh, other than we don't want to oh, have to prove bullshit. that we're COVID, COVID vaccinated, right? Which like, Right. And all these things with their uh, uh, crypto funds being frozen happened after they blocked a bridge into the United States, a major bridge into the United States, which shut down uh, the movement of trucks and vehicles into the into and out of the United States, into Canada, um, and did like, you know, 230 million, I think was the number I saw uh, worth of economic harm by them just blocking this bridge. You might say um, they fucked around and found out. Yeah, yeah. And again, we can talk about whether or not we think that's, uh, you know, it, it's necessarily uh, uh, a wrong thing to stop the economy from moving to make a point but uh, you and i also think I'm that generally the point... pro strike but i thought that yeah the the, 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 the point, point trying to dumb. be made matters yeah, it yeah. does it ab- there is a substantive element that has to be evaluated and we are covid conspiracy theorists who think this is all bullshit is not valid no it just is not covid is real they are wrong this is a bunch of horseshit but he continues quoting from that Fortune article, and the only thing I'm going to bother with even here in this next one is to read for you basically a quote, a, a paragraph that Alex left out, which I think is intentional. So Alex quoted uh, a quote from Trudeau, which said, quote, We cannot and will not allow illegal and dangerous activities to continue, Trudeau said as he invoked the Emergencies Act, which granted police greater leeway to impose fines, imprison protesters, and tow vehicles blocking roads. And then... Alex does include an ellipsis, which he does not often do when he is omitting portions of the text. That, to be fair, at least he did it this time. Mm -hmm. I'll give him that credit. But the portion he omitted reads, quote, Trudeau invoked the act a day after police cleared protesters from the Ambassador Bridge that connects Ontario and Detroit, Michigan, and carries 23% of cross-border trade between the U.S. and Canada. Protesters had blocked the bridge for days, holding up $360 million of daily trade, so I was wrong on my number, it's actually $360 million a day, and drawing mm-hmm. attention from the White House. At the borders in different places in the country, the blockades are harming our economy and endangering public safety. 
Critical supply chains have been disrupted. This is hurting workers who rely on these jobs to feed their families, Trudeau said. That is the portion Alex left out. I think it's very clear why he wouldn't want that to be read by the people reading this book. But then Alex continues after this quote from Fortune magazine, saying, quote, For most of my life, I've considered Canada to have almost the same values as the United States. And yet, what Trudeau did to the truckers is appalling. Something one would expect to see in some third world dictatorship. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. Alex. Has Alex uh, ever encountered a tow truck before? (laughs) I don't think he has, because they exist outside of third world countries. Yeah. Jesus, I mean, I actually wrote at the top of my page here on the next page, it is so hard for me not to highlight every paragraph this week. Yeah, it's it's very dumb. It's it's all it's all a bit stupid. Like I I to be honest, I don't have a fully formed position on the the truck stuff and whether I do. I do. Uh, they're do. dumb. They're yeah. very dumb. No, I think I I think that is and I agree with that. I just the response to it, I don't have a fully formed position on. Um, yeah, look, uh, I, I think it was ham-handed. I think it was handled poorly on a lot of levels, uh, based on my recollection. I haven't gone back and looked deeply into it. Um, yeah. Basically, the joke I kept making on Twitter uh, was, I know a, a bunch of uh, tow truck drivers in D.C. who'd be willing to come up there and help you. Uh, because literally, just tow the fucking trucks. Yeah. Just tow the fucking trucks. Just do it. They're just being douchebags. Just tow mm. their fucking trucks. Yeah, and then do you remember when they tried to have one on DC as well, and everyone, no one came. <laughs> like they just wrote, drove around the D- DC circular ring road for like a, <laughs> a yeah, few hours because they were afraid they were going to get arrested. You if know they what? She drove into DC. The fact that Alex didn't mention the American trucker convoy protests, yeah, I think is sucks. hilarious because it was so much more embarrassing than it the Canadian. So the Canadian one was embarrassing and bad, but it was like awful. at least kind of successful in that it made a splash. Like, yeah. The, the American one, A, included several different pedophiles who were outed by online researchers who were looking into this group. Um, it involved them, ju- one of them getting arrested. I think two of them actually getting arrested. One of them who called himself Santa. Uh, it involved them just getting clowned everywhere they went and embarrassing live streams and people getting into their live streams. Oh, and people brigading all of their uh, their open chats that they had on all the, uh, you know, I forget what they are, Rumble or Telegram, Telegram or whatever. And playing uh, uh, just horrible, like, parody music. I forget what it was. There was, like, a fucking weird cowboy song thing parody. I don't remember what it was. That's an episode for another day. We're going to have to talk about that at some point. The American trucker protests were a spectacular shit show. That was a spectacular shooting oneself in the foot. Like, really, truly. Uh, But it continues. Quote, can you imagine an American president doing something similar to the anti-war or civil rights protests of the 1960s? And better look to that, I would say. Yes, and it oh. happened. They did. They did do that. <laughs> yeah. They sick if dogs were, on them. If there were they, more digital shit available at the time, they absolutely would have done it. They exactly blasted that. them with yeah. water cannons. Yeah. They arrested them. They sicked police on them with nightsticks and dogs. They did all of it and much worse, Alex. Yes, we can all imagine we can it. All and then, imagine. Can you imagine them being this soft-handed with... Uh, <laughs> and then yeah. he continues with the anti-nuclear protests of the 80s and the Black Lives Matter protests slash riots, he puts in, of 2020. Yeah. And again, I would say, yes. Yes, they did that to all of them. Particularly Black Lives Matter. They were using fucking facial recognition to track people down. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. And then he asks... Can this get any worse? Yes, Yes, it can. 
Because technology, and that's where I stopped, even though the sentence continues, uh, because I think that's because all you really need to read. That, Yeah, that's basically what he says. Because technology. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. technology. And he says, quote, Imagine a scenario where the Canadian government could shut off the mobile banking of every protester at the trucker convoy. Not by researching who was there and contacting their banking institutions. They could simply monitor the cellular GPS of all peaceful protesters, as they did for the January 6th protesters, ah, yes, that pro- and peaceful turn protest. off their mobile banking. Yeah, that Fucking peaceful January 6th attack yeah. on the U.S. Capitol. It, you know, at some point, just the fact that we live in different worlds where Alex very much knows that January 6th was not peaceful, um, that it was a, a bad thing, but the right is so invested in creating a different mythos about January 6th that they just don't care. Mm-hmm. They'll just they'll just call it something different. You know, they'll just insist that it is what it was not. Uh, he continues, Now just imagine if they turned off all their mobile apps. Yeah, Benedict, imagine <laughs> if you apps. couldn't play Raid Shadow Legends Man, while you were if at I the can't trucker play convoy. Candy Crush while I'm storming <laughs> the U.S. Capitol, what's even the point of living? I love that one in particular. (laughs) Or if we were all linked into a central bank digital currency and they deducted social credits or pulled money off their tokenized central bank digital currency. Imagine a world where your every movement is tracked. Your opinions would be analyzed by artificial (laughs) intelligence, parenthetical AI. And you would be... (laughs) Uh, And you would be instantly penalized for wrong thinking. Mm. This is is the world that the global elites want to create with the Great Reset. This is not a fantasy. This is not unrealistic conspiracy theory. The technology is already there. And this is the stated goal by global governments and the World Economic Forum. No, it's not. Well, you might notice, Benedict, if you look at the end of that sentence, there is no footnote indication. Um... And, you know, I, I let me say, I've only, re- I've only read this chapter twice now, uh, but I did not happen to run across him providing any proof for any of that at any point. So I won't hold my breath on it. But now, now we get to talk of Ukraine. Uh, this and next who, boy, bit is super boy, weird. Howdy. Yeah. <laughs> boy, howdy, indeed, yeah. Well, okay, so the, the, the bit that struck me about this is like, go- this is a government conspiracy. And then his mm-hmm. example of this being a government conspiracy is that Google and Apple shut off their systems in Russia. Mm-hmm. And then Russians couldn't pay for the subway. But like the last well, time well, I checked... In particular, Benedict, in particular, just Apple Pay and Google Pay. Yeah, yeah. And, but That's like it. The, the last time I checked, Google Pay, well, Google is not a government and nor is Apple. No. Although they no. have more power than probably a lot of governments uh, uh, do. And here's the thing, Benedict. Uh, last time I checked, uh, I'm an iPhone user, right? Mm. Uh, you are an Android user. Um, uh, I, I don't know anything about Google Pay uh, other than what I Googled about it last night. Uh, but I know a thing or two about Apple Pay. And I happen to know, as a matter of fact, um, that, that you have to have a credit card to use Apple Pay. Yeah, so you have to have a credit you have a credit card that you could use instead of Google so Pay. So you're Pay. just lacking in the convenience of being able to use your phone. Yeah. You have to keep something additional in your pocket as we've all done for a long time. I still That's what use, it was. I still don't use Google Pay and Apple Pay like I, I don't either. No, I still I I have like my card saved to the browser. Yeah. I don't use Apple Pay. That's my Luddite <laughs> thing is like I will always use a physical credit card for as long as the ability is available. I know. Like, okay, I, so, I like that we're able his, to tap His now. point says, viral photos surfaced of massive lines at Moscow's metro system showing thousands of citizens unable to access their finances, fumbling around in search of cash for train tickets. It's like, <laughs> has anybody got any rubles? Like, what? <laughs> 
<laughs> to be fair, um, they did need quite a few bit, a few more rubles than they otherwise would have once yeah. that inflation started hitting them. That's true. But yeah, uh, so it's 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 a weird argument here uh, that this is the globalist new world order government operated by Google Apple and, and Google. Apple Pay. Yeah. But we know that part of their conspiracy is that Apple and Google are both part of the globalist program run well, by Klaus Schwab. I mean, also like forum. it it kind of is at the behest of u.s and western sanctions is that True. apple are like okay well we won't do business in russia anymore with apple Pay. Yeah. like so i i get i mean you know but of course we also know that alex has spent much of his last year and a half uh however long it's been a year now i think we're starting uh in about two two or three weeks will be the one year anniversary of the russian invasion yep. uh but much of the last year whitewashing russia's entire involvement and uh motivations for all of this um but i also have to bring up Something that, to me, I don't know if this came across to you when you were reading this part of the chapter, mm. uh, but sticks out, and is that all of this is connected to the Mark of the Beast conspiracy. I did not stick out to me, but I'm okay. excited to hear about it. Well, it sticks out to me. So, it, I, I wouldn't know if this... Uh, it is a conspiracy theory, obviously. Um, but a great number of American Christians in particular uh, have, throughout the last you know, 50, 60,000 years however long Christianity's been around. Not that uh, long. I know. It's a joke. Um, have believed that every new technology is the mark of the beast. Oh, okay. uh, I'm sure at some point, Dornoff... Oh, the, the vaccine the was the mark of the beast too, right? I right. remember that. Everything yeah, is yeah. the mark of the beast. Uh, yeah, yeah. In the 1980s and 1990s, barcodes were the mark of the beast. Okay. Um, the, you may be familiar with Hobby Lobby. I think we all are because of their fucking bullshit lawsuit. Um, uh, a also, friend of because my partner, they funded ISIS with a secret trade in yes, antiquities. Yes, also that. Yeah. Um, Hobby Lobby does not use barcodes. And a friend of my partner, who is a manager at a Hobby Lobby, informed me that, yes, in fact, it is true because the founder believes that barcodes are the mark of the beast. Cool. Um, then when credit cards came around, those were supposed to be the mark of the beast. Now, a large strain of uh, uh, sort of a combination of the credit card conspiracy and now the fact that, you know, the internet and digital things exist, um, believe that digital currency is the mark of the beast. Because it all goes back to, you know, basically a throwaway line about not being able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast, right? So anything having to do with being able to pay for stuff, mm -hmm. whenever a new form of it comes about, has been called the mark of the beast. And Alex is, if nothing else, a far-right Christian propagandist, as we've seen time and time again. Um, so he doesn't state it explicitly in here, but he knows his audience. And his ghostwriter knows Alex's audience. And I firmly believe that that is why so much of this is stressed throughout the remainder of this chapter because okay. it is going right back to the mark of the beast conspiracy theories fun okay it is it is fun stuff so alex starts off this section i would say it proper saying quote going cashless means your ability to even exist in society can be simply shut off at any time by the government do we wonder why russians might believe the united states is interested in ruining their country there is a dispute between the leaders of Russia and the West around the notion that we are actively trying to harm the citizens of Russia. How is any of this allowed? I mean, again, um, if, the, if Russia was not trying to harm the citizens of Ukraine, then maybe they'd still be able to use their phone at the subway. Yeah, That's... there is a dispute. Russians say the Ukrainians are trying to harm us. Ukraine right. says, no, they're not. Yeah, and you know... It goes, uh, uh, their discourse on the left about sanctions um, and sanctions, given that generally they harm the public more than they do the political yeah. leaders who are responsible for the decisions. It's not an unfair point. 
that discourse is worth having. That is not yeah. Alex's discourse. No. Alex is not that deep. He is definitely not intellectual enough to have that conversation. Um, and I, you know, I'm on the side that, you know, sanctions can be useful at times. Um, every sanction is not bad. Many sanctions are, um, particularly, you know, when they are things that will harm the general public uh, on the level of not being able to get access to food or necessary medicine and things like that. Um, but the the point of sanctions is to pressure the citizenry to pressure their political leaders oftentimes. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think in this case, you know, do you want us to go into a hot war with Russia? No. What other tools do we have in the toolbox? Sanctions are one of them, right? It's giving a bunch of weapons to Ukraine. It's sanctions. You know, we have to do what we can do. Um, but next he talks about how the federal reserve explored the possibility of a digital dollar. Um, and I looked into this, um, and the best I can find is that, no, they, they aren't going to do that really. Um, like it's, it's been kicked around for a while now and it's not really going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex is framing it as though this is going to be a digital currency where individuals, and, and what I mean by they're not going to do that is the way Alex is framing it is not what's going to happen. If any of this does actually happen. Yeah. Alex is framing this as though now all of your money is going to be held with the federal reserve. So you won't have a bank that you go to and you keep your money there and you have a card that they give you and uh, they send you annoying mail about new credit card offers all the time. No, all that's the not time. All the time. Love my bank, me. Love you're, to. Yeah. You're going to have a microchip implanted in your hand. I'm sure that's what Alex imagines. Um, and every time you go to the Piggly Wiggly, uh, you're going to scan it because it's the mark of the beast. And they're going to be, you said something and, mean in traffic and you aren't allowed to get Piggly Wiggly credits. And Jerome Powell personally is going to see that come across his computer screen. Uh, and depending on whether or not you liked his last fake Facebook post, um, he's going to decide whether or not you can have that transaction. Because all of your money is actually going to be in the Federal Reserve Bank. Mm. Um, that is not at all what's been looked at. So, uh, he actually even includes a CNBC article that very much is like, uh, you know, they're sort of hesitant on this. Yeah. Uh, and I did find an article from more recently after Alex published this book in December of last year, which basically was something on the long lines of what they're actually looking at possibly doing is using digital currency for deposits of banks, So the way banks work in this country, and I don't know about other countries, I'm an American, I'm an American lawyer, not another country lawyer. Um, In this country, banks, Bank of America, Chase, Wells Fargo, whoever, they have to have a certain amount of cash on hand, Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, which so if anyone comes to make deposits, they're able to actually give them money. Um, you know, that applies both at the branch level and at the national level. So it is a percentage of the amount of funds that people have in your bank. So you're only allowed to take a portion of it and invest or do other things with or make loans with. You have to have a certain amount of cash. And mm-hmm. that bank's cash is not held in a vault uh, underground the New York headquarters. It is held by <laughs> it's the not? Federal Reserve. No, it is held oh, by the Federal shit. Reserve. There goes my plan. So I mean, never what mind. the Federal Don't Reserve worry. envisions doing is rather than having to have, uh, a, the which the Federal Reserve actually has, by the way, gigantic vaults full of cash and gold, um, something that banks yeah, generally isn't it don't like have, surprisingly but the Federal Reserve little, does. Isn't it surprisingly little gold? Like Fort Knox is like, it's like just one small room full of gold. I think they I think should let me like, in to count it. I think yeah. we can find out if they just let me in to count it. We can solve all that mystery. Um, but rather than having to have all of that, the Federal Reserve could keep those deposits digitally. 
Mm-hmm. That would be what they were looking at. They are not looking at individual consumers being able to have digital currency held by the Federal Reserve or whoever, whether it be cryptocurrency or whatever the case might be. And then every time you make a transaction that is registered, that transaction with the Federal Reserve, blah, blah, blah. That is not what's actually being looked at. Mm-hmm. But of course, that is the way Alex chooses to read all of this because that is closer to his Mark of the Beast conspiracy about you won't be able to buy and sell things without this digital currency. That's what it lines up with. And Alex continues by saying, quote, Now this book takes a certain view on how globalists will execute their plan. It sure does. Not showing their hand while working behind the scenes to bring it about. And, okay, how many times has he said that they've showed their hand? Yeah. Hundreds. Hundreds of times they've shown their hand already. I, but I guess they're not showing their hand, whatever, it's all behind the scenes. And he says, quote, As I read Powell's statement, he sounds like a typical globalist. And at this point, let me read you Powell's statement that he's quoting. And it is, quote, We look forward to engaging with the public elected representatives and a broad range of stakeholders as we examine the positives and negatives of central bank digital currency in the United States. That's a globalist-sounding statement, isn't it's it? So Alex? globalist, yeah. So globalist. So globalist. Uh, it's just so dumb. It's All of this so is very dumb. I, like the the, I mean, just I mean everything about this because he talks. He then goes on to talk about China's digital yuan, which again, I like a lot of this. Honestly, is um, like kickback against crypto, right? Like this was governments mm-hmm. going, well, if someone's going to do it, we might as well do it ourselves. Like right. if, if this is going to happen anyway, like decentralized finance is one thing. Like let's not and, get and left I know behind. Some small South American nations that made the wrong call on that front. <laughs> Central American, actually. Central uh, American. I forget. Uh, Um, I'm an American. I'm bad at geography. But genuinely, like, a lot of this is governments going, well, a technology is developing, so we have to to do similar things with our own currency so as not to lose control of our centralized control of, of currency, which whether you agree with or not, like, is the right thing for them to do if they want to maintain a centralized control of government, well, of, of a nation's money, let's say. As is the thrust, uh, is similar to, I will say, that, is, that the reasoning behind that is similar to the thrust of the next part of this chapter, mm-hmm. where we start talking about um, government phone apps, I guess. Yeah. Uh, where Alex begins by saying, quote, as we try to make sense out of the Russia-Ukraine war, it's but, which, probably... By the way, by the end of the next couple of pages, it, spoiler alert, he does not. <laughs> no, no, he is not able to. Um, it is useful to ask whether the president of Ukraine, Vladimir Zelensky, seems to be on the side of freedom or on the side of the globalists. He's okay. not asking that question about Putin, mysteriously. No, funnily enough. If we accept the idea that the globalists are attempting to seize control of technology, we might suspect Zelensky's motives when he announced an effort in February 2020 to put the, quote, state in a smartphone. This is from a Ukrainian publication. Then he gives us a public, you know, quote from this, I don't know, I I didn't bother to look it up in the endnotes to see what he's citing here, but I'm taking it as its word. But I will read you the only part that matters, and that is, quote, By the end of the winter, a digital passport will appear in the app, which will allow users to travel domestically, conduct banking, and use medical services. It's a digital ID, basically. Mm -hmm. It's like a digital record of your SSN. It's a digital... It's a digital ID card. Yeah, that's what it's, it is. But, it's but, a digital driver's license, except it's yeah. a passport rather than yeah, a driver's yeah. license. But but also, I mean, uh, you know, sometimes, like, it, people do get suspicious of ID cards as well. Like, mm-hmm. the UK oh, yeah. refused to also bring in the ID market. cards. Benedict, 
they also believe that those are the mark of the beast. Of course they fucking <laughs> Everything's the mark of the beast. Um, no, I mean, like, I, and like the US has this, right? Wait till Alex finds out about the mobile passport app, which the U, which CBP has already, okay. which is I great. didn't know about this. Yeah. <laughs> There's a passport app? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it means you can skip the line. It's great. Are you telling me? Oh, are you talking about fucking, uh, no, you're not talking about a passport app. You're talking about fucking, um, uh, what's the company? I don't know. Global entry? Is that what you mean? That, no, everyone knows what I'm talking about, right? The b- b- background check company that tries to get you to pay for their services every time you're standing oh, in line Oh, yeah, no, waiting. no, no. It's a CBP app. It's a... Okay. Um, it's like a... It just means you get to skip the line because you get to... You know, you have to do like the customs declaration when you mm-hmm. come in. Yeah. You just do it on your phone and you can go Okay. Through. Okay. Um, See, I thought... I probably I just paid $130 to renew my passport for a vacation I have in a few months. Uh, okay. No, no, it's not that. No, no. It's when you come back in, you get to skip the line. In, okay. Get to skip the well, that makes line. more sense. Yeah. Uh but uh, yeah, so yeah, they, they do think that IDs are the mark of the beast. That's that's the gist of this. But that quote there about using it to travel domestically, conduct banking, and use medical services, um, that you could say the same thing in the United States. Uh, you need an ID to get on an airplane. Um, you generally need to show ID to get... Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm assuming the Ukraine has uh, universal health care, which you would presumably need to show an ID for. Uh, yeah, and that's what you this need is. to generally show you're a citizen or a resident for, for those yeah, things. Yeah, you need to show an ID to get stuff. Um, that's all this is, but Alex is using that language, conduct banking, to twist this into implying something that it does not mean also, within the next two pages. You know so when it's hold, good to have a digital ID is when you have to flee your home quickly and can't bring yeah. all your documents with you because be Russia invades. Yeah, could be helpful. Could be helpful. Uh, it continues, quote, or Alex continues rather, and this is not the article. This state in a smartphone effort was led by Mikhailo Fedorov, the vice prime minister and minister of digital transformation for Ukraine. He is also a young global leader for the World Economic Forum and was a panelist at the WEF scaling up digital identity systems. Okay, session. later in the chapter, he quotes Klaus Schwab saying that Vladimir Putin was also a young global leader at the WEF. Yeah, so like, right. what are we doing here? Yeah. So isn't, isn't, Putin evil now? Yeah, I know. It's like he just glosses over that. It's very God odd. damn it. Uh, so we get a quote uh, from the biography of uh, Mikhailo Fedorov. I'm just going to say Fedorov because I'm probably saying Mikhailo wrong. Uh, but this is a quote from his bio on the World Economic Forum website that Alex uh, quotes. I'm only going to read the portion I found important, which is, quote, His most important project as minister is the state in a smartphone, which aims by 2024 to have 100% of all government services available online with 20% of services provided automatically without the intervention of an official and an online form to receive a package of services, which Alex finds horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. Which he follows up by saying, quote, imagine our government automatically removing money from your account or automatically freezing your account based on your right to peacefully protest your political views or your carbon footprint, none of which was mentioned at any point up until now, by anyone except for Alex. Yeah. Alex is inventing that from whole cloth based, I believe, on that first quote that I emphasized where it said that the uh, app will have a digital passport that will allow people to conduct banking. Mm-hmm. By which I think that just means, oh, you can use this as your ID for banking. This will be convenient for you. This will be nice. That's pretty much what I think it means. Yeah. Jesus. This is all about, I I mean, and this is how it tends to be. It's like convenience versus freedom, right? Is the thing. Mm -hmm. And like finding that balance. And like, there are things that like I feel uncomfortable about with 
technology like the facial scanning stuff that they do at the airport instead of you showing id sometimes now that they were doing for a while i think there was enough pushback on that 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 got nixed in the end but like that makes me uncomfortable i don't i don't particularly want that but that this is not the same as that it seems like it's voluntary it's not it, it doesn't it, it's certainly not compulsory anyway. Like that's not the implication of it. And again, mm-hmm. it's it's a convenience thing, especially when, as I said, you might not be able to take all your documents with you. Mm-hmm. I know that I have lived uh, in states where the DMV had an iPhone app. And uh, so obviously that iPhone app would be able to freeze all of my bank transactions. Mm-hmm. Look, if, that it's a, it if it's a digital version of something I need anyway, like a digital ID or mm-hmm. a vaccine like for example i have the fucking vaccine card on my phone i don't know where i my original sincerely vaccine wish card we is. had fucking vaccine passports yeah because i would like to have it on my phone rather than in my fucking wallet oh there's a new, the new york one does they're, yeah keep, not no yeah i don't have Lewis, one no. we didn't have it where i anyway was, yeah. i don't know where my i'm vaccine in missouri card is. benedict yeah, I, know. I don't know where my vaccine card is but i have it on my phone so it's fine yeah, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, so Alex has a quote from Fedorov, who was just giving a presentation at the WF, that uh, that event he talked about where he was giving a speech. Um, it's it's very bland. It's just like, hey, um, we're going to try and make this the best product possible. It's going to be convenient, and we have to get people to not be so uh, scared of technology, mm-hmm. is the gist of it. And Alex takes from that, quote, Wow! You're talking about a centralized system, totally controlled by the government, that not only tracks and knows everything about you, but can freeze your account as it sees fit. None of which, again, was said at any point up to now other than by Alex. Nobody has said any of that. Can I I just, will you you permit me to just read this whole thing? Do it! Because this is, this is, I gasped, and I rarely gasp. Like, the just like, (laughs) the the drawing of conclusions that he gets to, the way he gets to his conclusion here, I find fascinating. So he says what you said, uh, as it sees fit. Not only that, but these Ukrainian digital ID services will also feature vaccination, electronic passport, and Ukrainian COVID certificates. Ukraine was pioneering a system that governments all around the world could use as a template to control their populations. And then he says from that, and I quote, just to emphasize again, I am quoting what Alex says. (laughs) The next sentence that he writes in this book is... Very next. If we look at the Russian invasion of Ukraine with that perspective, do Putin's actions seem as difficult to understand? Uh Uh-huh. End quote. So Alex's mm-hmm. take is Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine to stop a digital uh-huh. passport system. Yeah. yeah. Did you notice how in the clip I played at the beginning of the episode today, there was no mention of any of this no, from Alex? No, I am. Um, I quit. I quit. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> so Putin's invasion of Ukraine uh, was justified because, because it, Ukraine yeah, was Russia developing an fucking, app. Like, because Ukraine was system, developing yeah. an app, yeah. Benedict. I, I, Kevin, I can't. I can't cope. <laughs> it's too much. It's ridiculous. It's so fucking ridiculous. And so we get a turn. Uh, this is the second half of the chapter we're going into. It's, it's mm-hmm. going to be quicker because it's very repetitive. But we get yeah. a turn where I, I described this at some point. This is the most... Uh, like that impression I do from time to time <laughs> of the crazy conspiracy theorist rambling from topic to topic, connecting red string on the the, the cork board, uh, and just everything blurs together. It's all it's it's that right. I've done that a couple times where I had to write out what I was going to say because I can't do that. You can't do I've the met, voice and the. I've met people in real life who can do that yeah. because they believe all this stuff and it all bleeds together in their mind. It's wild, but. 
The rest of this chapter is basically like that. And I will just read for you the beginning after this, this shift in the chapter so you can get a sense of what that's like. And it says, quote, Oh, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. After you after you finish the second paragraph, I will uh, I will interrupt you. Just FYI. I don't want to okay. stop you mid-flow. So I don't get mad at you. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Imagine all your money is no longer money. It's credit within a centralized digital system that is administered by the government. It has a fully tracked and traceable serial number. Kevin. It can be coded. Do you know what money has? <laughs> cash? You know what cash has written on it? Um. Oh, the name of the president who's on it. Correct. Also, a fucking serial number. <laughs> Correct. It could be coded to not allow you to buy meat, Bitcoin, air travel, or even gold. Why are they all capitalized? Meat has a capital. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't realize that. Why is meat capitalized? <laughs> air travel also, and also gold, all capitalized. The only one that should be capitalized there is Bitcoin. Yeah, You're I'm correct. <laughs> You're Capital letter <laughs> me. Like that, that, that's the funniest thing in the whole chapter to me. It could block your ability to buy a pillow from Mike <laughs> Lindell's company, My Pillow. It better look. I am a thousand percent sure. I am a thousand percent sure that Mike Lindell paid for that mention of this oh, book. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm a thousand I'm percent sure. sure. Or it could be blocked from purchasing products from my supplement store, InfoWars. <laughs> Now, factor in a digital world ID, a vaccine passport that expires if you're not updated on your boosters, and is also tracking your GPS movements to know if you've been at the wrong gatherings or protests. It can measure how far you've traveled, if you're committing the cardinal sin of too much carbon emissions, say, do, buy, travel, or translate with the wrong company. That is the wrong word there. He meant to say transact. He wrote mm. translate. Mm. And your credits can be taxed or frozen. This becomes a tool far outside of the scope of the monetary policy. It becomes a digital gulag. No, it doesn't. It's, it's, nope. The, the only possible answer to that is, nah. Let's say, if all of that was true, if all of that was true, um, maybe. Since yes. none of it is true. <laughs> nah. Then no. Then no. But that is insane. And, and then it he, he does a paragraph on gulags where he's like, of course we all know what gulags are. And this is yeah, basically the same thing. Yeah, but he still describes thing. them anyways. <laughs> You're not supposed to say, we know what they are. Here's what they are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But he says, next quote. In today's world, they do not need a physical gulag or prison camp. They just need to roll roll out the world ID system, vaccine passports, and the central bank digital currency. Once they have this, they can imprison anyone they want into a digital gulag. Ooh. Where Alex is currently the only resident, I guess. Is, is okay, okay. Do you want to read the paragraph at the bottom of that page? Because it's glorious. <laughs> it's it's which fucking one? glorious. Oh, here, I'll just read it then. No, well, hold well, on. I, I, I had a couple of points I wanted to make. Mm-hmm, all uh, right. Taxes is... So one of the things that th- could, could happen is that taxes are confiscated automatically. I would like to know if Alex pays his taxes because that is what Ooh, happens. Taxes are yeah. generally confiscated automatically. Uh, Very then, much in question whether he does or not. So was it? Is it the paragraph? Sure, I was the first person in yes. history to be yes. totally censored. Yes, is that yes. The paragraph. So Beautiful. okay, but before you read it, he says that's the first sentence. Sure, I was the first person in history to be totally censored and deplatformed from social media. No, he wasn't. Milo no. got banned before he did. <laughs> like you didn't even beat Milo Yiannopoulos in that fight. So fuck off. I'm pretty sure Laura Loomer got kicked off of Uber Eats before Alex got dropped from anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, Alex does claim to be the first person in history to be totally censored and deplatformed from social media. 
he he's he's on a bunch of different social media. It's just not good. Yeah. He got kicked off of the good social media. Yeah. That's really what he should say. Um, he's just only left on places where nobody wants to be and they tolerate Nazis. Um, he continues, though. Sure, I was the first person to have all social media, tech companies, and financial institutions remove me from their services. No, no, there, there have been plenty of people in the past mm-hmm. uh, who nobody's wanted to work with, which is what that is, Alex. It's just that nobody wants to work with you because you're garbage. You're an utter garbage fire. Mm-hmm. That was bad, but just imagine what happens when everything is centralized into a world ID, vaccine passport, and central bank digital currency. Yeah, I mean, it would be bad if that was happening. It's not, though, so it's fine. It's not. And then we get on to the Chinese social credit score system, which I, it's boring to me because we've dealt with it so many times. Yeah. Um, and I will, I think we brought this up when we did it with Glenn Beck. Um, it's not even actually a thing. Um, it's been tested. It's not actually been like actively rolled yeah, out. It's, yeah. And also like, it's probably not good. We agree. On oh that. yeah. Like, we're not in favor of it. <laughs> yeah, and no. neither is anyone else. No, yeah. Nobody <laughs> outside of the Chinese people who were the Chinese government who are trying to institute it are in favor of it. No. Uh, so really nothing to fear from there. Um, but, you know, he's, it's all real. The social credit score is basically here already. Blah, blah, blah. We've heard it all before. But then he gets back to Justin Trudeau. Did you like the says, bit of this where it says that there's an interview from the T- Toronto Sun in February 2011, and then it starts talking about things that happened in 2013? And then yes, also, yes, I yeah. did enjoy it. <laughs> okay, good. I did enjoy the obvious lack of, of an editor, which we have, <laughs> we've seen so many times. I think he meant like, 2021, maybe? Honestly, I, I think that, that it was just Alex's ghostwriter doing a second proofread. I don't think there was an editor. Yeah. I do not believe that there was. Uh, but yes, so now we get, um, you know, how much Trudeau loves China. That's what it's all about, because you have to tie all this. Remember, we're getting proof here that the globalists are putting their plans into action. Mm-hmm. That's what this is all about. Because, That's what the thesis statement of this chapter was. Because Trudeau said before he was prime minister that there were some aspects of China's ability to do policy U-turns that he admired. Yeah, Benedict. Well, uh, this is something uh, I recall this being brought up when Trudeau was running for office. I see it occasionally from the right pe- right wing people I follow online so that I know what's being talked about over there. Um, and, and boy, is it a fun one because they only ever give you half of the quote. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what Trudeau said, this was at a ladies night fundraiser. Of course All he right. was at a ladies night. The suave motherfucker. He is a handsome motherfucker. I'll say that about him. And that's not just because we have the same hairstyle. Uh, But Trudeau, in response to a question about uh, countries he admired. uh, And and here's the other thing about this. It is nearly impossible to find the full video of this fundraiser online. Uh, I tried for about half an hour the other day, and I could not find it. I'm able to find the clip. um, And I'm going to play it for you here in a minute. I am able to find a fuller version of the clip than nearly anyone ever gives you. Most of the clips you find are cut off at a certain point, and you'll know where that point is. But the part part that Alex puts out and that everyone puts out is where Trudeau said, quote, There's a level of admiration I actually have for China. Their basic dictatorship is actually allowing them to go turn their economy around on a dime and say, we need to go green, we we want to start investing in solar. He even Um, says dictatorship in that, which is like, he knows it's not a good thing. Yeah, now, let me play you the full clip. There's a level of of, uh, admiration I actually have for China Um, because their basic dictatorship is allowing them 
uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say we need to go green as fast as we need to start you know investing in solar I mean there is a flexibility that I know Stephen Harper must dream about of having a dictatorship that he could do everything he wanted uh, that I find quite interesting Trudeau's it was a joke yeah. about conservative prime minister Stephen Harper wanting to be a dictator yeah yeah that's what it is and cool. and he is talking about the flexibility of being able to control things swiftly when you have have that level of control over when things. When there's a level of authoritarianism within the country, yeah, that but makes the sense. the dictator thing is a joke about Stephen Harper. Yeah. <laughs> love to. I love, love it. To, yeah. I love it. But Alex says about this, quote, Think about the fact that countries all over the world are scrambling to launch digital IDs, vaccine passports, and central bank digital currencies. Global elites see this as a necessary control tool to retain total power over the population and all social behaviors. Do you see how this all ties back to a digital wallet, which is a front for a social credit score system? The vaccine passports are the Trojan horse for a world ID integrated with a central bank digital currency and social credit score system. The breadcrumbs are all laid out ever so it's nearly in a row, it's which is not crumbs. an Alex yeah. Not no, an Alex so sounding nearly, thing to say. Ever so neatly in a row. Ever so neatly. Not yeah, nearly. he's... Oh, ne I read it as nearly. Uh, that's, that's just me misreading a T for an R. Um, Boy, is that just... That was a very Alex paragraph. A very Alex paragraph. I can see him ranting that on his The show. breadcrumbs are all laid out, ladies and gentlemen. The, key, the clues are there if you'll only look mm -hmm. for them. Yeah. So further uh, proof that we get now um, oh, is... Oh, fucking David Sachs. I'd like a sneaking David Sachs into the, into the mix. A large yeah. block quote from yeah. David Sachs. A.K.A. Uh, who... Peter Thiel Light. Is he light? Uh, um, yeah. Or is he part two? Yeah. Uh, two halves of the same coin. I mean, yeah. he's a, he's a Teal protege. You know, he does the same shit as Peter Teal. He gives to the same people. He supported Blake Masters and all them and all the same shit. He um, did, apparently, because I, I looked him up. I, like, I, I looked up to see how involved with apartheid South Africa he had been. Just, <laughs> he uh, left when he was five. Yeah, yeah. No, he I, left I, South I was, Africa when he was, I was five. I was just checking. But apparently he did produce um, Thank You for Smoking, the movie, which is... Yep, yeah, yep. I didn't know. So uh, good for him. connections of people. Yep. Uh, but David Sachs, who, if you don't know, is a former PayPal executive... Uh, and, you know, super uber-rich libertarian douche I think COO, hole. right? He was COO of PayPal. I don't know what his role was at PayPal, but libertarian douche hole. Uh, and it's just a, a big thing of him, you know, complaining and But and also it's kind of soft complaining. It's like, it, it, essentially it's like, well, the Canadians can do what they want, but the progressives are going to do it here. Like, well, yeah. okay. Like, it's just fear-mongering. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's just a couple paragraphs of fear-mongering. There's really not much to it other than that. And I would say, you know, given that we're now several years or a, I don't know, a year and a half past when this happened and none of this has happened in the United States like they claimed mm -hmm. and all the things they claimed were happening to these Canadian truckers are exaggerations of what actually happened to them. You know, all that sort of ties into how all this should be looked at. But there's also something I find funny slash weird, which is it's not just Alex doing this, but the recent push on the right uh, specifically after the trucker protesting happened, to paint Canada as an authoritarian hellscape, yeah. I find simultaneously hilarious and sort of weird. Because yes. do they really think that's going to work? It's Canada. Like, we all know it's Canada. It's it's not. It's yeah. not what they're saying. I've been to it's Canada. Canada. It's very pleasant. <laughs> it's very nice. People are great. Good hockey teams. It gets really cold in the winter. Fun. No authoritarianism going on there. 
Just some douchebags who got their cars towed and didn't get to access their bank accounts for a couple of days. Too bad. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we get to another one of those dividing three stars that supposedly splits this up into sections or whatever. And now we get on to talking about some stuff from the Department of Homeland Security. And some stuff about... Get rid of the DHS. That's fine. We're okay with that. Get rid of it. Sure. <laughs> sure. Don't have a problem. Um, but uh, Alex's real problem here is, is of course, that all of their attempts to address uh, misinformation, disinformation, attempts to radicalize domestic individuals into potential terrorism, well, that's all aimed at the Patriots, obviously. Always. So Because only Patriots can be dumb enough to fall for that shit. <laughs> Part of the globalist New World Order to uh, attempt to uh, uh, deal with obvious disinformation of the kind that Alex Jones makes his living off of. Yeah. So that's obviously got to be a bad thing. Uh, and he says, uh, it's a whole bunch I'm not going to read about it. It's just like a couple of press releases from the uh, Home Department of Homeland Security talking about misinformation. Uh, the fact that we are in a heightened threat environment because of disinformation about COVID and other things online. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. And... Let me just tell you that this next thing about Alex has nothing to do with the sections of that press release that he put into this book. He says, quote, Yes, you read that right. If you are like half the American population and oppose COVID restrictions, you could be a terrorist. That is not something that was said previously. (laughs) At no point. The same thing applies to those questioning electoral fraud or any issues with mail-in ballots. You could be a terrorist. Yeah, you could. It depends how you choose to manifest those those objections. If you are radicalized into terrorism, then yes, you could be a terrorist. If you attempt to storm the U.S. Capitol (laughs) and set it on fire, then yes, you could be a terrorist. Uh, but of course, this all vindicates Alex. We know uh, he has a, a paragraph telling us how this is. You know, oh, remember when they called me a lunatic? Ha ha! How right am I now? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! They were right. <laughs> and then there's some talk about the World Economic Forum and the fact that the World Economic Forum uh, is involved in basically saying, "Hey, we need uh, digital passports because it'll make things a lot easier." Like. One of the most benign things imaginable that the World Economic Forum could be doing. Yeah. Pushing for digital forms of identification yeah. just to make travel easier. Ooh, yeah. so scary. And I mean, remember a lot of what the WEF does is like quite focused on Europe and like the EU specifically. Like, And travel within Europe being made easier is, is probably a big thing that they're focusing on because you just need a an EU passport to travel within the EU. Like. Yeah. And then, so I'm skipping over a lot of this because it's very boring and there's not much there. It is boring. I agree. And we go over to the last couple of pages where he says, quote, Do you see how it's always about the vaccines? Vaccine passports are a Trojan horse for advancing digital identity by NGOs such as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Rockefeller Foundation, the United Nations-backed ID2020, the World Bank ID4D Initiative, and the World Economic Forum's Reimagining Digital Identity, a Strategic Imperative Program. Just hates IDs, this dude. It does. The WEF's Digital Gulag Plan combined with the Chinese social credit score system is the centralized foundation for a global social credit system that will give global elites total control over over citizens. It's just... Okay, buddy. It's an Alex rant. It's an yeah. Alex radio rant this is, written okay, on this a is page. Definitely, I know we talked about this right when we started recording or before, but like this is definitely the most Alex Jones feeling chapter. Yes, absolutely. To me. Absolutely, yeah. As uh, someone who like only sees alex when he does something weird like particularly weird this has felt the most 
mm-hmm. akin to what I was expecting of this book. <laughs> so he has one final thing where he tries to do what, remember the thesis of this chapter was showing you how all these things were in action and actually happening. Uh, despite all the things he's talking about in this chapter being fake and not happening. Oh, I think my um, eyes just glazed over at this point. I'm not sure I read this last two pages. <laughs> <laughs> so he just says, basically, you got to tie it all together. You know, you got to look at how the connect the dot. He literally says connect, connect the, dots. the dots. Yeah. To the Canadian Emergency Acts on terrorism over the counter Tucker protest, uh, over the trucker protests, and the United States shifting focus to combat domestic terrorism in in sarcasm quotes yeah. at home. Can you see how this all ties together? And and no, no. I mean, it, they do in a way because we have had a rise in domestic terrorism driven by right-wing MAGA sentiment in particular and conspiracy theories about things like COVID-19. That, mm. that, that makes sense, but I don't know how Alex means it. But we now get to the final page of the chapter, and, and boy, um, since he just keeps hitting return randomly, um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm not going to call it He's reading like, you seven problem, paragraphs. solution, resolution. I'm just going to read the last chunk for you because I don't know how to describe it. There is no paragraph. There's no no good paragraph system here. And it is, quote, And when you remember that the vigil... And when you remember that the vaccine passport digital ID system will be able to house your central bank digital currency wallet, then it all keeps making sense. Okay, remember, those are two things he never provided any basis for other than saying that that was true. How does Alex feel about crypto? Presumably he likes crypto. He likes it when people give him crypto. Yeah. Yeah, he uses it. They used a crisis to further a long-standing agenda. This is what I have referred to as a problem-reaction solution. A problem happens, e.g. pandemic. The government locks everyone inside and takes away their normal way of life. The people are afraid. They want reassurance. The global elites then offer a solution, which becomes more invasive than the original problem. The solution is a global ID system. No, the, the solution was you people just get the fucking vaccine and wear masks occasionally. He also skipped that over the, the reaction part of that. Like, he didn't really talk about what the reaction to that was. Uh, I think fun. the reaction, he didn't say the he word, but I think it, yeah. reaction was lockdowns. I guess. I think in his mind that was Which it. Which also yeah. happened under fucking Donald Trump. So like, also they, true. they just gloss over that shit all the time. They're like, yep. oh, the global elite also. Because it's like, not convenient. Like, yeah. uh, the solution is a global ID system ushered in by vaccine passports, which will be the operating system for your digital gulag. This digital gulag will host your medical, financial, and social credit score. Of course, it's all for your own safety and convenience right this is their tried and true formula problem reaction solution and it's now being rolled out in real time with COVID-19 and the recovery but the goal isn't your safety it's about total control over our data which will ensure our total subservience to the globalists end of chapter six of the great reset holy shit what a ride yeah that Um, was a fun one that one uh, uh, it, I, I, I won't lie to you. Um, it felt good. Uh, <laughs> I, I, to be honest, I actually found that one harder because it's just like, it's so like unhinged that I'm like, what do I even say about this? Like, this it is, is like, yeah, it's lack, it's lacking in structure. It's lacking in grounding. It's lacking in a place to even try to start analysis from because it yeah. lacks in any connection to reality. Yeah. Right. All those things that Alex was, Alex was saying, like, uh, I'm not lying to you. Like, again, I said, I like to give you the full context. I didn't read a lot of the quotes he put in 
from other, you know, from actual news publications or from individuals. None of the things Alex were claiming was claiming were related to things that people said in those quotes he put in. Yeah, they almost never are. <laughs> no. Like, your vaccine passport is going to control your social credit score. And okay, This man. is all the stated goal. There was no support for any of that shit. It was invented whole cloth by Alex in the chapter. Just yeah. put in there. It's true because Alex says it's true because these people want to make an app for your phone that has your passport on it. I would love it's, an app for my phone that has my passport on it. I already it have a passport. Nice. I have like, my passport right here. I have my expired passport right here, actually, because I just uh, went in and renewed it the other day because I actually am going on vacation uh, at the end of April. Uh, so uh, I did need to get that done. But, uh, oh, I have uh, I have some foam stamps, too. Uh, nice. I think I have my China one in. No, my China one's not in here. My Vietnam one is in here. Oh, Vietnam, nice. Cambodia, they're in here. Um, anyways, better than it. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC and get, become a patron for as little as $1 an episode for patron-only episode shout-outs on the show, early releases of our episodes, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons. Flackweasel, Sadie's Sister Wednesday, Kieran Dackler. Join us next week when our guest will be D.B. Cooper. <laughs> Henry Lewis King Jr., Sarah Wolf, Aaron Burke, Megan A. Dooley, Gloria Scott, Isaac Horvat, Clifton Stuckey, Pause, A Baby, Wah, Veronica Forker, Melissa C., J.D., George Saulnier, Janet Yutter, Stefan, Shark Belly, Utah Outcast, Brent Lee, Dave Barwick, Chris Palmer, Bad Bible Stitches, Mockingbird Nation, Bacaw, Benjamin Carlisle, Dexter, Allison, Megan Ruth, Glowrung the Deceiver, Big Easy Blasphemy, Jay Reynolds, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, Taro Tacanon, and Balls Watterson. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, what goes up must come down. Goodbye. Goodbye. podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.